Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Now entering Nerdist.com. Oh, here we go. All right, I just want to, before we start, I just want to pull this up, because this is a... And we haven't started yet? Nah, technically no. no. Slow roll into it. <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, we are here in Brian Posehn's man cave at his house, which is awesome, by the way. Your house this doesn't is... look like the cave of a man, though, be honest. It's more <laughs> a man boy. A man, man boy. boy cave. A boy cave. Yeah. Man boy, boy cave man. sounds even worse. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Mm. There's a there's, Stacks of comic books, uh, something called digital versatile discs, uh, and then uh, I noticed down there you've got pretty much every care every action figure from Springfield and a little Springfield set that have been uh, utterly destroyed. <laughs> yeah, by a seventeen month old. <laughs> he he likes to eat people from Springfield. <laughs> he lives in the walls and of then, Brian's house, or just swat them to the ground. <laughs> That's right, and there they are. And you have a little uh, rat version of Patton there, uh-huh. Rat and Oswald. My dog and my baby enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Hate the real guy, love the rat version. Oh, if Patton's here, they'll both run out the backyard. <laughs> but, but he's huggable in but rat yeah, form. Yeah, they love him in rat form. Is that insulting that to say, like, you know, Patton, the only way you don't scare kids is when you're a rat? Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, when, you... <laughs> when you're a plushie. <laughs> the only way people can let you be around their baby. So, uh, when I came to your house... To set all this up, you were watching Phantasm. Yes. Which was a very important movie for me because my parents had HBO in the 70s before it was when it was really just home box office. Wow. <laughs> a box office in your home. And it was Halloween night. You guys were rich people. Yeah. <laughs> the life of a professional bowler. Yeah. HBO. <laughs> Who's going to pay for television? You're a moron. Who'd pay for bottled water? It was like, you guys and Elvis have. Yeah, the two of us. So, <laughs> Nobody has two TVs. So I was watching home box office in my uh, media room. And uh, <laughs> it was Halloween night in the late 70s. And my parents were out and I was just a little kid. And there was a babysitter and all the lights were out and we watched Phantasm and that movie fucked me up so hard yeah. 
I mean, Nightmares of the Tall Man in the Mausoleum, and I have not seen it in years, and you were watching it. Yeah, I was older, so I loved, like, it was perfect for me, because it combined comedy with horror <laughs> and tits. <laughs> oh, that's right, and the tits and in like, the opening scene where she's yeah, riding the dude. And uh, a kid my age cursing. Like, that made me so happy. Like, previously, Bad News Bears made me, that was one of my favorite movies. Right. Like, because it had kids my age. Drunkenness, racism, yeah. like all those <laughs> things. Yeah. But like I love to curse. So to see a kid on on the the film. Bad News Bears yeah. also had Freddy Krueger in it. Yes. No. Yes. Jack Harold oh. Haley. That's right. But um, yeah, and then it freaked me out because she the, the chick is riding that dude in the cemetery in the opening mm-hmm. sequence, and then you see her cans, and then she turns she turns into Angus Scrim. Yeah, and then it's like <laughs> that, that that's enough to put you off sex when you're a kid and you don't understand sex. Like, oh, you fuck them until they turn into an old guy and then they kill you. That's a, that sounds terrible. Why would anyone they ever turn reproduce? Into Jawas, and then you're a Jawa that puts looks for more dead bodies. So they were just aliens, and, and in yes. their dimension, they had stronger gravity. Is that why they were crushed down? Yes, yes I think that's what it is. or overcrowding was the other way to go. Yeah. I remember, uh, do you remember, do you ever see the sequel to The Gate? Uh, no, um, I remember the first one, but yeah. I didn't see the second one. Well, the nerdy kid, the friend uh, with the glasses, oh, the okay. metal kid, yeah. Yeah. he's the star of the second gate. Is Dorf in the second one? Dorf is not in the uh, second he, one. It's just, this, it's just the kid. Do you mean Steven Dorf or do you mean <laughs> Tim Conway's Dorf on <laughs> Yes, Dorf on oh. gate. Um, but it's like, I remember, uh, there, it's like a, they go to where the, they go to the, through the gate into the actual hell area. Okay. And it looked exactly like the, uh. The hell area. Yeah. It's like a mall. <laughs> Over there's the, the hell, hell area. area. Yeah. But, you know, they're a little area of hell, and uh, it looked exactly like uh, that uh, alternate dimension in Phantasm. I remember thinking they ripped it off. I have to see that one, because that kid's kind of, uh, he's a little posaney. He's a little... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got glasses, and he loves heavy metal. That's true, yeah. And he's, like, obsessed with the dark side when he's, like, Yeah, 14. he's the one that turns the, uh, yeah, the record yeah, backwards yeah. and summons the beasts. Right. Yeah. He hangs out with Dorf. <laughs> you always hang out with Dorf. Mm-hmm. Dorf on golf. Dorf on golf. Prefer Dorf on fishing, but that's just me. I'm a Dorf Olympics kind of kid, so. <laughs> oh, you are. Yeah. Um, now, when I Brian, when I met you, it was like 1994. When we were working on Trashed, mm-hmm. and you were a big, tall dude with super long hair, and uh, and uh, I was losing it already. Let's be honest. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. I just really? remember, I remember super long hair. Wasn't it mostly in a hat? No, but you wore you wore it down Nelson style. Uh, okay, yeah. I think like a year later, it was in the hat all the time, and it was Paula who uh, did an intervention with me. Oh, our wardrobe, uh, Paula, yeah. who was your girlfriend at the right, time, right? At the yeah. time, and then she got another friend who knew fashion and <laughs> and, and things that are current, and uh, they both dragged me and made me get a haircut. I, um, I remember you, and then I started booking. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> like, what started happening immediately. Yeah. You had long hair since you were a teenager too. Yeah, right? yeah. Now, a lot of people don't know this because they yes. think of uh, Brian Posehn as a metalhead, but uh, there's a little Depeche Mode in Posehn's past. Uh, I, I've uh, seen some I've seen some pictures of teenage Brian. Well, I liked girls. <laughs> <laughs> and there were not a lot of girls at Slayer shows. The girls that didn't fucking frighten me. You know? So I liked, like, no, I, I got into it in high school, and uh, it was at the height of, like, me hating everything else. But, you know, like any pop music I, I hated, but somehow I let Depeche Mode in and I let The Cure in and uh, I like The Smiths and well, they're a little stuff that they're, you might They're a little suicide though. They're a little yeah. suicide yeah. So yeah, I can see, I like I can see the, the Venn diagram. Yeah, once I got into it, I got, I kind of like the lyrics. And then, like, I even went deeper, like Mission UK and Lords in the New Church. And, oh, wow. Uh, stuff like that while I was still listening to Exodus and Slayer. Did you have so to hide that like, from your metal friends? Um, 
No. <laughs> I, well, at that point, no, my metal friends uh, were actually pretty cool kids. The two guys that I hung out with the most, we were kind of the smart weirdo, uh, yeah. you know, and we wrote on the school paper and... And we were those guys. It would be yeah. ironic if you were like, hey, I like Depeche Mode, and someone else is like, hey, policy of truth, you don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> Some of that stuff you can keep to yourself. <laughs> I was not, uh, I, the, the, the Cure kids when I was in school, I didn't, I didn't really come around to the Cure until the late, late 80s, because a lot of the Cure kids uh, in my school, I didn't like them. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to like a thing that those people like. Um, but yeah. then I... That's how I was about stoners. Yeah. <laughs> now, when did I felt you, the same way. When yeah. did you officially I hated stoners? When did you officially school? hop on the stony bandwagon? Like twenty twenty one. Oh really? But dabbled like right out of high school, but mm-hmm. didn't really smoke in high school. Big drinker that mm-hmm. like drank like insane the last junior and senior year and had a you know portrait of a teenage alcoholic had a liquor at school. Are you serious? Moved it from, uh, yeah, moved it from locker to locker because we know when locker checks were going on and stuff like that. I was that kid. Holy shit. Yeah, and drinking during lunch. And then uh, I I was the school DJ, too, so I would get hammered on Bacardi and Coke and and, and play, like, Rush 2112 side one for for the school. When does the school need a DJ? (laughs) What? When does the school need a DJ? You mean for dances or like do they have no, a DJ at lunch? It. We had it at lunch and break. What the fuck? What kind of awesome yeah, school did you go to? Yeah, my school had a uh, had a little radio station. You know, it would, like the signal only went out to about the, only, this campus. Yeah. Well, it wasn't an actual radio. It was just on the PA. But Oh, oh wow. my God. Uh, I never had that. It was that. just around the school. There was a bunch of speakers around the school and everybody would stand. They'd get, it's probably because we went to morning, Catholic morning we would do it for 10, 15 minutes right before school started and then we'd yeah. do it at break and then we'd do it at lunch. Yeah, the songs in our school yeah. were in hymnals. Yep. Yeah, went to all boys. I got busted uh, at my when I was going to Catholic school. I got busted. Cause I had a suicidal tendency CD. I got caught, and the guy's like, "Suicide's an alternative." Was one of the track titles. I was like, "No, it's just fucking." I said the worst thing. I was like, "It's just punk." Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. You can't. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they brought these people in that I think just built uh, religious schools out of money, but they toured the country to um, speak out against film uh, music that sent uh, like too sexy messages to schools. <laughs> right. So they played these songs called The Dirty Dozen, which were like the oh, dirtiest yeah, yeah, songs yeah. that came out that year. <laughs> and when I look back, like they were so fucking ridiculous. It was just like, like Motley Crue was one yeah, of them. Was Wasp in there? Or, or what year was this? This was, uh, this was late 80s, but like uh, Talk Dirty to Me. Right. Like, when you look at these dirty. songs, they, were, they could not be more benign. Yeah. They could not be any more benign than especially What's Out Now. Yeah. My high school was an 80s movie. It was like when I tell people stories of the crap that happened there, it was just ridiculous. You know, like uh, one kid uh, was masturbating uh, <laughs> in, uh, in the bathroom during break in the boys' bathroom, and another kid threw a fucking cherry bomb into the stall that he was in. And uh, he came out screaming bloody murder and, like, had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, shit. <laughs> they didn't because he was. Jacketist. <laughs> <laughs> shit like that happened all the time. Like kids were paralyzed in front of school and just what well, was a bad eighties movie or like a, a final, <laughs> God. It was class of nineteen ninety nine or Van Patten one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it was eighty four. That's where did you go to where'd you grow up? Sonoma. Sonoma. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I forgot you're California there, right, right, right. And then so when did you did you go to college, or when did you? What did you do after high school? Dicked around, uh, 
got kicked out of the house a couple of times and just didn't know what I was going to do and went to junior college and master a couple different junior colleges and went up to Sacramento because uh, my grandfather took over uh, he made me come up there this mean German guy and uh, I, I had fucked up twice with my mom so uh, I was up there and, and then uh, I was going to go to Sac State but uh, just started dabbling with or, you know stand up and it, it, like at my school, at my uh, is it, junior college. Is it satisfying to you? Have you been to any of your reunions? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it satisfying to you at all that in high school people might have been like, yeah, that fuck up, what's he going to do in life? Now you got a nice house and you're on television and movies. You <laughs> yes. You got money. <laughs> got a pretty wife and a kid. Like, you you really... No, I brought it. Yeah. You, you, you might be the, the most successful person like, from hey, your high school. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show me your vagina. Come on, honey. Come on. I want everyone to see what I get uh-huh. in that's uh, that's so you 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 did you go to San Francisco first to do comedy? No, I did the worst thing. I started in Sacramento, um, and then and back then, like when I hear about kids that started when they were eighteen or nineteen, I'm so jealous of that. Like uh, that wasn't a possibility back then because you couldn't get into a club. Mm-hmm. It was only twenty one and over, especially in California. And, um, but uh, that's I started writing when I was twenty, getting ready for it for my first time that I could actually get into a comedy club. What made you think when you were younger, like, oh, comedy is a thing I could pursue? Um, I didn't at first. Like, friends... Uh, I even had this one guy who... Uh, he was, like, my neighborhood kid in Sonoma that... Uh, he called himself, like... Uh, you know, he thought he was, like, the neighborhood John Belushi. Uh-huh. And he <laughs> thought I was, like, the least Everyone funny. Everyone has one. <laughs> yeah, but he was the... The fat kid who, you know, would pound beer cans and, you know, that kind of stuff against his head. Still doing and, that, yeah. probably. He's probably yeah. still doing it. <laughs> yeah, but... When that stuff is funny, was hilarious, and he would always tell me that I wasn't funny, and so I had all these other friends tell me, oh, you're... It's, yeah, and they would even say, like, you make a lot of jokes, but they're mostly weird jokes. Like, you're kind of weird, you know? Like, I would get that a lot, or I would be the one that would, like, try to say, you know, and, like, bum out girls... All the time, right? You yeah, know, by the things that I thought were hilarious. Yeah. So I was kind of that guy, but it was like I was working uh, when I moved up to Sacramento to live with my grandfather. I was one of those kids that uh, I just really didn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> I really didn't, and like I would take any crappy job. So I would work at fast food for like four days. I worked at a, you know every fast food place you could really name from the 80s mm-hmm. I tried one of them or, or you know I tried them at least once and uh, I was working at a McDonald's for like the third time and <laughs> just didn't care and met this dude and, and he thought I was really funny and he was the guy that like encouraged me the first time to get up and and uh, to write before I went you know and that kind of thing and he went with me and we drank in the parking lot my first time and but it was just really one dude. It wasn't everybody going, "Hey, you should do this," because like people laughed, but they also thought I was weird mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so what? When you how did you like hook up with all these people that later became your sort of core group of friends? Because that that was the San Francisco. Like you made it right. to San Francisco, and you know, wasn't that? Well, uh, some of them were funny. Like Greg Barrett hated me when he first met me, and he'll tell you that. Like he just <laughs> thought I was a dick, and a lot of people like. Odenkirk, that's what he liked about me when he met me, was uh-huh. that I was kind of a dick. We, right. met, we met in Virgin, and uh, he introduced himself to me, and I was wearing a sub-pop jacket that said loser on it, <laughs> and just like, I was that guy, and, and uh, I, uh, 
just was not that nice to him and because that but it was also out of being awkward mm-hmm. it's not that i am a dick really but but that's kind of a, the way it was with some of those people in the beginning well it's also especially when you go into new environments you're very vulnerable with comedy right. and so you are super prickly in a way because you're just defensive like you just uh, don't want to get fucking your heart crushed baron yeah. came to sonoma and it was after i'd broken my back so that's the the backstory. So I start in Sacramento. Whoa, whoa, you broke yeah. your back? Yeah, I, I, I'll do it real fast. I, go, I start in Sacramento. I'm there about a year and a half doing stand-up. And I went, ah, this city's too small for me. I have to go. And, and uh, I made the worst decision. I went to L.A. first. Uh-huh. And uh, not even close to L.A. We were living in Long Beach. A buddy of mine was down there. <laughs> and it was brutal. And I was delivering subpoenas. And I hated it. And I was getting, uh, I got stage time at the comedy store, had jokes ripped off, and uh, then I stopped getting stage time there. But I was driving all the way from Long Beach to get up on Monday nights or whatever at the comedy store. Which is like a good hour. Yeah, and this is 1990. And then um, I was super miserable and drank every day and uh, jumped off a lifeguard tower and broke my back. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, Why would you jump off a ladder? I mean, listen, uh, I guess I don't have to... To get to the sand, because we, okay. <laughs> we were drunk, we were on top, and my other friends were athletic, and they actually uh, made it, they landed right. Tuck and roll. And I uh, had no idea. We'd been drinking 14 hours at that point. Oh, yeah. And just hit the sand, and uh, then I jumped into a bathtub full of water and was paralyzed for 10 days. Oh, my God! Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was brutal. And then, so I had to restart, and I went... My mom and my grandfather, my other grandfather, came down and got me and brought me back up to Sonoma. And then, uh, like, I had to pay all these bills and this, I owed the state. It was brutal. It was really a shitty time. And then, uh, but the whole time, I knew that I'd kind of been given this second chance that I was even, you know, because I was taken to a, a spinal cord injury place where I was the only kid who was going to walk again. Oh, oh shit. And it was pretty dark, so... So if you can make those people laugh... Yeah, no, I wasn't, you know that... though, but I was just sitting there thinking about stand-up the whole time. Like, I missed it and knew that that was what I wanted to really do, and that, you know, it sounds dumb, but, like... No, I... That would, like got me going that's not it's it's so funny you say that i just i was just watching it's not dumb at all it's not dumb at all when i say it it feels kind of cliche but but that's like but it's a real thing that happens pretty no i i I, I was watching a special uh that was that was originally on pbs and it was sort of about like happiness and people's emotions and this guy was in a pow camp in vietnam for like eight years and he was in solitary for like three of those years and the entire time he was in there he was just thinking about the house he was going to build for his family when he got out and he went through like brick by brick and assembled the house and so they it's exactly the same they like they he needed that yeah. to sort of keep his spirit going so that he wouldn't just be like well I'm just going to die now I think I'm just going to fucking die and then I never like I just drank less after that like I just <laughs> went oh I won't do that again I'll never go that extreme mm-hmm. and I just learned from it and uh and it, then uh, my mom was actually really cool, and I just sort of, it, it, because by, by that point, I had grown up a lot. Like when I, she, you know, she had every right to hate me when I was like seventeen or eighteen. I was a horrible, horrible kid. But by the time I broke my back, I was like twenty three or so, and uh, they really took some of the fire out of your yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I moved back with her, and then just started doing stand up immediately as soon as I could walk and and drive again. Uh, going to Sacramento and then going to San Francisco. And so Barrett came up and I was um, doing stand-up in Sonoma. It was this one-nighter at this bar in town. And I knew half the people there. 
and I was just going to do a guest set, and he was the MC. I don't remember who was the headliner. It was some local guy or some San Francisco guy, but uh, Barrett mispronounces my name like a couple of times. Like he says my name twice, and he gets it wrong both times. So I go up and I correct him, and I'm kind of a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's like what made him go back to San Francisco, and he's talking to Tony Kameen like. I worked with this guy. He was funny, but he was kind of a dick. This long hair, you know, rocker kid, and and I thought Barrett was like this, you know, kind of unfunny jock. <laughs> at the time. And then we became really good friends. Now and then, Bar- Bar- and, and Patton, on the other hand, like he and I clicked right away. Like the I saw him go up in San Francisco, and it was like the weekend he had moved there, and. uh I did a joke about River's Edge or where that was a reference and he did this joke about a Spider-Man standing in Kansas and not having anything to uh, do his webs off of. <laughs> oh, it's shit. It's a visual joke. It's yeah. really funny. And so like we both like nerded out and became friends instantly. But the, a lot of those guys, they didn't know what to think of me at first. Yeah, the Posein Oswald bond is an unbreakable bond. <laughs> yeah. I noticed because we, we played D&D together for a couple of years uh-huh. um, until like we had this group and it was... You and me and, and Patton and, and Blanca Patch, who's another who writes on Web Soup, who's another awesome uh, comic right. who came out at San Francisco. Well, and, I met Blaine that same. Oh, you met Blaine that same. Yeah, they came out together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then Jerry Duggan, who writes on Attack of the Show, and then a couple other friends of ours, and then our and then our other friend Scott was the DM, and he was awesome. And our game, like our campaign, ended after a couple of years, literally because uh, Scott got a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, what would happen you is around when we got it to go back, we got him back. Oh, no, no, he never came back. With no, us. it was yeah, so yeah. fucking funny. Whenever we, because so Scott left, I would give him so much so shit. much shit. Like when we'd see Scott in public, Brian acted. Would, it was like it was like seeing an ex girlfriend. Where Brian would be like, "What's up, bro? I'm not gonna fucking. We're just never gonna play again. He left us for a girl. We're just never gonna play again. <laughs> yeah, but you know, look, I get it. We were playing. We played D D once a week for like five hours and then and then and then Scott would go play these goddamn Halo tournaments all right. night so like his whole life was right. just fucking off yeah. right so I totally like I understand but that was a fun that was a super fun uh, time oh yeah because I, I played D&D after that with non-comedians and it's a little more intense it's like you don't have Patton had this drunken yeah. dwarf character, and he would he would get his character would get drunk, and he would sing these songs that he had written. The that he had written. Like, yeah. He would come prepared. So it like, was amazing. He'd show up, and one of them was to the uh, <laughs> was to the tune of Seasons in the Sun, and it and it had the like one of the best written lines I've ever heard was something like. Zombie cunts are very cold, and their ass is filled with vermin, but they don't have to breathe, so their blowjobs leave you squirming. <laughs> Jesus. But half the time they were like recaps about what had happened the previous week. Wow. It was really hilarious. Like, That's when we all had more time. Yeah, we all had more time. That's what happens when nerdy comedians have time. They can write drunken dwarf uh, songs. And half the time, we didn't play D&D. We just talked. It was nerd poker, is what I always called yeah. it. Yeah. Because we would just talk about whatever movie came out that week, and we weren't serious, like, no. real nerds. <laughs> yeah, I really played, get in there. I played once uh, in high school with a kid, and it's a lot like that kid you talked about, the old sperm kid. Oh, yeah, the it's like, kids, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, the... Uh, it's just like I thought it was his grandmother, but it was his mom. She was oh, that old. Yeah. And I go into his house, and it's just it's everything's covered in dust, and it smells like old person. And mm-hmm. we played on top of a piano, 
Like there was a huge piano. We used that as our table, and it just like I couldn't handle it. I thought I was gonna love D and D, and I think I would have if I had a less intense uh, opening into it. You know, mm-hmm. like well, I, yeah. That's, I told you my previous experience before. I didn't go the nerdy route. I knew a satanic kid <laughs> who was really into it, and totally like. And so he would play Slayer. And it'd be in a dark room, and you would, you know, you'd roll up characters and that kind of thing, and play these games, and then also be really, really wasted. Wow! But it wasn't like the nerdy thing, but it was just this. I, lo- I love the I love the idea of Satan's minions being these nerdy kids who dress in black. Like, you know, like if you're a Satan's minion, you're gonna try to blend in with everyone yeah. so you can fuck people up. You're not gonna be like the nerdy kid with the Slayer shirt. Right. <laughs> That's going to be the jock. Yeah, you're going yeah. to be the jock. You're yeah. going to be Greg Barron. Oh my god, Greg Barron is Satan. <laughs> I love I love I love Barron. He um he was one of the first dudes that I saw that had that kind of cuz I started I started watching you guys when you were doing the uncabaret comedy shows mm-hmm. in like 91 and I was mm-hmm. at UCLA and I, you know, I didn't was, we all come to your school? You, you didn't you book a gig? I booked a school? gig yeah, at, yeah. at UCLA and everyone came and it was, you know, it was like you and I think Maybe Greg and, and Janine um, uh, Garofalo, who was... It was so fun to watch her do material and then just assault herself on stage. Right. Uh, and then and Blaine and Blaine and you and Cross and, and all those guys. And it was a real... It just made me feel like, oh, there's this is whole other kind of comedy that makes sense to me that's separate from what I thought was available. Right. So how did you... Like, what was the process when you guys... I mean, did you ever even think about yourself as like... We're a comedy movement, or you're just like, I'm a dude doing jokes. No, yeah, I was more of that. I just, uh, I kind of didn't fit in. Well, like Lisa Langang and some of the people that booked in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get booked when someone, like our whole group got booked. And like even when I first came down and did uh, Uncabaret, the woman who did that, like that first alternative room, Beth. she didn't think I was alternative enough. Right. So I was just always kind of doing my thing. I mean, I noticed, my, I, I knew my friends were funny, is one way to put, you know, mm-hmm. like, I knew everybody around us were, were doing their own thing, and I just wanted to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And that's all it was. It wasn't like, I mean, I guess it was an answer to 80s, late 80s stuff. I mean, Patton and I, we, we would always talk about these hacks in San Francisco that we didn't like, mm-hmm. and, you know, these road guys, and... We looked up to the guys who weren't that. They we looked up to Warren Thomas and we looked up to Greg Proops mm-hmm. and uh, you know guys like that and, and Bobcat and people that did their own thing. Yeah, because I guess if you're doing if, if you're doing clubs in the early '90s or the late '80s, you can't there unless you're making the most obvious Spider-Man jokes. You probably can't get away with super nerdy stuff, right? And and as far as like that's like when rooms started to be free before that we were about getting paid you know what uh-huh. i mean like we didn't want to do we weren't doing coffee houses and that kind of stuff because there was no money there and it was more and it was not like we were driven by money but we all had to live right and and i always like when we first started to get called alternative comics i always felt it was funny because and then i've had like i remember uh what's that What's the Anna Cool uh, website, but for uh, comedy? A special thing? Special thing. <laughs> I stopped reading it. I blocked it out because people called me like a, a brick wall comic on there. Oh. But then, and that yeah. used to make me mad, but I really was. Like, I started, you know, having to make a living at it, you know, and, and performing in those kind of places and performing in front of brick walls and did Star Search. Before. Are you serious? I didn't know you did Star Search. 
Fuck yeah. I won on Star Search. I beat David Feldman. Oh, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> How did I not notice? That's yeah. epic. And then I got my ass kicked by Diane Amos, uh, the Pine Saw lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, and our friend Weird was the judge. Weird Al was one of the judges? Yes. Oh, does he remember I'm that? Have you ever talked to him about that? I don't know that? if he does, but he gave me a huge thumbs up, and I got like I got four stars, and I beat David Feldman. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but the thing is... I only had like three and a half minutes that I could do there. So my next set, because I just went, I'm, I didn't think I was going to win. So I said, well, here's this set. Gary Mann booked it. Oh, okay. From Comedy Central back yep. in the day. And he didn't think I would do it. He's like, you probably don't want to do this, but I'm doing Star Search. And I'm like, yes, 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 I'll do it. And I got a free trip out to Florida and uh, did this three and a half minute set and crushed and because Feldman had uh, won before, but then his second week was like too political for them. Okay. Because they're all people at Disney World or uh, or it was Universal or whatever it was in, uh, right. in Florida. And uh, then my second set was too edgy and weird, and because uh, <laughs> I was out of I was out of like Orlando material. Yeah. I had burned. You had your good three, three and a half, and half minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then uh, Diane Amos came out, and she's like, "Look at that! Look at my." She's a big black lady, and she uh, talked about how she could fit six bottles of pine saw on her big black dish. <laughs> was her first joke. And it crushed with the tourists. <laughs> so uh, I was given my walking papers, but I was the champ for like three hours because they shoot them all like in one day. Okay. Oh, wow. So I won in the morning. And then got the thumbs up from Weird Al, and then walked around, uh, you know, Disney World or whatever it was, Orlando, uh, you know, Universal, and uh, then I went back and got my ass handed to me. <laughs> but that was my point. Like I never felt like I fit in with the alternative people, even though they all were my friends. But mm -hmm. I never felt like that was the label that fit on myself. You know, yeah. Like and I always thought it was weird that you were naming, you know, putting uh, David Cross alternative because he had already and Angie, they'd already been on TV. When they got this right. label, yeah, I and think Laura Keitlinger too. So, like, I knew her from Comedy Central or whatever, or the Comedy Channel before. I think it's just a thing to call it because it doesn't really, it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, I guess I understand. Yeah. Like, I can tell if I'm doing UCB, it, it you know, I'll do kind of different jokes or, or or I'll present it in a different way than right. when I'm when I'm on the road, and it's still me, right? But not if you're headlining. If you're doing your own show, it's always that right I mean but if you're at a comedy club it's different I just know that there are references that I can get away with at UCB that I right. can't get away with on the road I can do the nerdier stuff that I want to do at UCB yeah and it's it's just more of I mean it's not so much that I mean I guess there's a little bit of it that's a compromise but at the same time like I don't want to make uh, a club crowd sit through a bunch of stuff that they're not going to get what's right. the fucking point of that like I, just, right, I right, want right. them to enjoy the show and that makes me happy so right. I just sort of shift the references a little bit yeah. just knowing who's going to get who's going to get what I yeah guess. I guess I do that but uh, when I'm playing like a rock club, I'll do you know just me. Yeah, that's okay. But, so yeah, when did so comedians of comedy like when did when did you guys decide like all right so fuck clubs because by this point comedians of comedy in the is sort of like early two thousands mm -hmm. right and by that point uh, the comedy boom is sort of over and there aren't as many clubs and it's fucking expensive to perform at clubs. So well, what Cross what had done it first and he had you know, recorded and, and it had done well for him. And he'd even taken out a band with him. And I think that's what Patton was inspired by first. And, and it was mainly because we hated comedy clubs mm -hmm. and uh, hated headlining them. And that was both, we were both going through the thing of um, 
people knowing us from sitcoms that weren't uh, what at all what we were like on stage. Right. <laughs> you know, especially him. And uh, But I, I was going through it too. But uh, that was kind of what inspired him, I, re- I remember, in the beginning. And then he did it the first time. It was supposed to be me. And I had a flake. I got a commercial with uh, Colbert. It was the... Uh, the Good Wrench. He it was when he was. Oh like, yeah, that's right. He did the Good Wrench commercial. Yeah, they brought me in to be like his his little. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't the straight man, but whatever I was. But uh, and so I had to pass, and Zach went out with him, and it went really well for just like two or three dates, and uh, the next thing I knew, it was something we were gonna do, and and uh, it was so much more fun, and then it really like. We were doing it because we didn't like comedy clubs, but it made comedy clubs even worse after doing because you're so spoiled. <laughs> right. What we got, you know, at a rock club in Nashville and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. On our own. Well, it's just, I mean, because people are there to see us. Yeah, and, and you also don't have the people that came in just because it said comedy outside. And our, our ner- and also our, I feel like our nerdy crowds are kind of like younger, like young dudes who don't necessarily. I mean, like a comedy club is fucking expensive. Yes. It's like 20, 25 bucks to get in, two drinks. It's like $100 if there's two people. Well, that was the main, one of the other main reasons that Patton did that too was to find these fans and, you know, and to make something for these, you know, kids, college kids that couldn't afford to, you know, go to the improvs and the, the yuck yucks. Now, so you did, when you did the, when you did the movie and then the, the series, did Blyden direct, he directed all of it, Mike Blyden? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's on the, he's, Mike's on the Fallon show now. He's great. I it was so interesting to watch you guys, the combination of you and Patton and Zach and then Maria, <laughs> like how did poor Maria? How, how, <laughs> exactly. How does uh, poor Maria? We talked about it a little bit. I know, know, and I don't remember saying what I said, and I think or what she said. I said like something really mean to her, like. Shut up, you fucking cunt, or I'll stab you, or something like that. But it does sound like something you would say. But look, I know, but that's like something I would say to Pat. I know, and, and the I, thing and, is, and, you know, the thing I, is, I can't you, imagine saying that to her. If you, but if you're just, little, if you're just reading the transcript of it, you'd be like, oh my god, this guy's a dick. But what's funny about it is Maria is so sweet and kind of fragile, and so yeah, there's something really fragile. funny about saying the worst thing yeah. that you obviously don't mean. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just more of the, you know. But yeah, I, yeah, I think maybe it could have been a buildup of like just you know a lot of dude energy uh, with her over over time. Yeah, it probably was a bit. It probably was a bit because I I would say something horrible like that just doing a bit with her. But right. Maybe she didn't know it was a bit. Like that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. Like I was full of weed and Cracker Barrel, and I was just like, shut up, you fucking cunt, I'll stab your neck off. It's the, it's the pot and the grits talking. <laughs> what is, you know, what's funny is that I feel like, I think I've known Zach for probably 12 years, and I'm, I'm not, I, I think, I can only really think of one or two, like, actual conversations that I've ever, I've ever had with Zach. What is, what is his... We're talking Zach Alphanakis for people who don't well, know. Well, he's is- another guy, but he wasn't like Barrett, um, where I, I didn't like think he was a douche or something in the beginning. But Zach and I didn't really get along at first. And even at the beginning of the tour, um, the first tour that Blyden filmed for the movie, uh, we weren't really that friendly. And then so by the end of San Fran- by the time we got to San Francisco, we were. And then we wound up dumping mayonnaise on my... Uh, face and pretending it was his jizz oh, yeah. <laughs> and the extra but like when we were up in Oregon um, uh, we 
didn't always get along. Like, and but like two days later, we were really good friends. I don't know what happened, but we just kind of clicked on that first tour. What? Uh, and because he was making fun of the Scorpions one morning. Was, <laughs> that's one thing really lost me. Like, I was like, this guy's super funny, and I'm gonna like everybody. Everybody had kind of. I'm one of those guys that when I've, well, I don't know, but as I've gotten older, maybe it's harder to break through with me, um, or maybe it's easier now. But it, what there was a time where it was hard for me to kind of decide I'm going to like somebody. If right. that makes sense. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know why. It's just. But anyway, uh, he was one of those guys, and uh, I was finally starting to let him through. And then one morning, I'm really cranky in the morning, and I'm listening to Scorpions, and and uh, he's like, "What are you listening to?" And just kind of already ready to make fun of what mm-hmm. I'm listening to. And then I told him the Scorpions, and he just went off, and and uh, I didn't come back at him. I just got mad. I was just was that early in the morning, and he's going after the Scorps. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I love, I've talked about it before. I love me- I love metal like it's my retarded cousin, right? And you know what I mean. Like I can make fun of him. I can call him a fucking tard, right? And, but uh, anyone else is but anybody real personal... else that's my retarded cousin dude yeah. what are you doing <laughs> you <know? laughs> don't make fun of my retarded cousin was there a lot of stuff that didn't make I mean there might like you but probably could have made uh, we bonded you probably could have made two full movies of stuff that they were they shoot was he shooting pretty much all the time or only he was but that was the thing like we would be funny Sometimes when he wasn't even there, like he would shut off eventually, and then we'd be hilarious. And and but there'd be times where he'd be just running for hours, and you didn't want to be funny. You're just driving, you right? Know, you're going from uh, Portland to Chico or wherever we were going, and yeah, you know, it's but boring. It, but at least, yeah. but like the sense that I got from comedians of comedy was that you know you guys were fucking around and it was fun because that that. If, I think I can't remember if it came around the same time. I watched Tourgasm for a couple episodes. Oh yeah, and then I was like, "Well, they've just well, taken all of that they've too. just taken that all the comedy thing. out of it, yeah. and it's just all drama." Well, like he did it first after us. <laughs> <laughs> so but you guys didn't go to your high school and just right. you know fucking really get emotional no, and what, at your and locker. Patton didn't make us do like uh, athletic things every week, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's the one thing you want to see comics do is get yeah, yeah. athletic. But that, but it's like well, it's they like, had to play basketball one week, and yeah, it's like all the all the, there's so many comedy themed things, you know, like that and Last Comic Standing, where they put like drama in it. It's like, god damn it, can't comedy just be fun? Why does it have to be dramatic? Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm where it's like they try to make it dramatic or they try to make it a competition. You know, right. it, just, it seems to take all the fun out of comedy. Well, the people that didn't like our show, uh, that was their main complaint was that like nothing happened there was no drama in our tour uh, you know in the movie or the show that's funny that drama has become but, like if there's not drama that means nothing happened yeah we like, didn't yeah. fight like the real housewives are you know, right yeah that's just but, what people expect from reality it seems now yeah yeah that it's that, that it's reality television has convinced people that people's day-to-day activities have to be heightened with drama <laughs> or they didn't happen yeah. well we did one when we went to a therapist that was their idea was to bring when we were in new york we went to uh some therapist that Blyden knew uh-huh. and uh to get us to talk to 
get a little drama to get us to talk about, you know, if there was any tension on the road. And mm-hmm. the only tension really was that I was late all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I think and Zach I... was a little annoyed by it by that point. But then Maria used it like it was going to be free therapy. <laughs> 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 Uh, we're shooting it and she's like no this is a real therapist I'm gonna get my 50 minutes in here <laughs> yeah uh, Neil Mahoney who was one of the shooters on that yeah, yeah. on that tour like uh, he called me after you guys did that he's like ah, we did something we shouldn't have done we put a bunch of comics in a room with a therapist and it just got fucking yeah. bummed everybody out yeah I started fucking around and then I got real because <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been I've I've been in therapy before once or twice yeah my whole life <laughs> that's a lot of comics but, be. but yeah yeah but maria that was hilarious poor bam bam <laughs> i love her i love her so much i want her to be a big giant superstar yeah she's hilarious she's yeah. the funniest it's nice though to see that everyone's popping now like you know like after all after all these years that that everyone is really kind of like now and it's it's sort of all at the same time, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Do you think that there's some sort of group dynamic that occurred, or do you think it just takes about that long? Yeah, I don't know. It really is. But it really <laughs> it's is weird. Yeah. Coincidental. Well, who else are you talking about? I mean, well, you and Zach and Patton and you know Cross and you know, like I just feel like yeah, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. I'm. I feel like. Everybody kind of deserved it. I of mean, course. it's all people that have been, you know, know what I mean? They've been doing it for a long time. And so it's not like anybody, it was overnight. But yeah, it is weird that it's kind of finally all in the last couple of years Do you for think people it, that have been doing it for so long. How long did it take for you to figure out, like when you look at your early comedy, how long did it take you for you to figure out your voice? You think? Um, God. It was a while. I think it was coming back to it um, where I really found it. Um, like places like when Death Ray first started at uh, mm-hmm. what was the M Bar? M Bar. That's kind of where I f- really felt like I was actually being myself. Yeah. Before that, not so much. Like the stuff I did to get on TV in the beginning, you know, like on MTV. It was funny. There they were jokes that made me laugh at the time. And they were sort of from my real life, but then it was M Bar, where I really would like write jokes about things that actually happened, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know whether I was going back and using childhood stuff or things that had happened that week. But it was more, and I wasn't doing that originally when Alternative first started. I still just did my jokes. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why people like Beth didn't want me up at the Uncab. <laughs> because you're telling, yeah, yeah. Still, I was still trying to get laughs. But that's what's you know? fun. That's funny about this. It's like the, the evolution of the alternative comedy movement was that in the early days it was just like, no, there's you got to read out of your notebook and there's no punchlines and it's just shit that happened to you that day. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I, but that's I, not what everybody was doing. Patton would go up and crush and and but do like his real. Well, that's know, the thing. At a certain point, it's like, yeah, yeah. but it's, it is a yeah. comedy show and people still want to laugh, and yeah. so there still yeah. should be some structure and cross to it. Would crush there too, and you know the guys that it was. Some, it was a lot of the girls that were doing the reading out of the notebook thing with with no punchlines. Janine. But guys were still doing punchlines. Oh, they were. <laughs> I didn't realize. It, I didn't realize it was. Uh, it was. That's uh, kind of what I noticed. Because well, it was girls like Kathy that were, you know, not doing jokes. Kathy Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. 
but just reading, you know, whatever happened at an audition that day. Yeah, who but else? It wasn't really cross. It wasn't really the guys that were getting up and talking about. Who were the auditions. Who were the girls in that scene? It was, it was okay. So Kathy Griffin, Margaret Cho, yes, uh, Karen uh, Kilgariff, Kite uh, Kitelinger, um, uh, Mary Lynn Rice Cub, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a pretty phenomenally talented bunch of people. Right, and Sarah place. was still doing jokes. Sarah always did jokes. Yeah, never did like the. Oh, yeah, this I happened. I, think people, I don't know where this is I don't going. Think, I don't think people realize how <laughs> long she had been doing comedy yeah. before she kind of popped too. But it was a, it was like eighteen years or like it was something. She's been good. doing it since she was seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's I met her when she was like nineteen years old. And it was insane because she was already funny. Yeah, and knew what was funny about herself. That fucking makes me so mad. But people just like right away they just figured I mean not oh, really man. mad but just no, like kind of like God mean. damn it <laughs> I know what you mean yeah there's guys at the death ray where you're like how long have you been doing it B J Novak yeah uh, yeah some of those guys <laughs> yeah but no like, Novak just like immediately yeah graduated from Harvard you're like oh he's writing on a show now he's on the office I mean oh, super Harvard, fucking funny. Harvard doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> But it was like you know, guys. Guys you can like do anything you want once you go there. Guys yeah. like guys like Novak and Mintz had been doing comedy that long, and they already had a really strong point of view. And I was like, God damn it, this fucking. Yeah. You know, I, I and don't, like Harris Whittles and guys like that, where I didn't, it, you know, wasn't in my radar, and then all of a sudden, he really knows his voice, and you know, yeah. how long have you been doing it? Not very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Punch. punch, punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. We, uh, when Brian, right before Brian and Melanie got married, we, I went to his bachelor party in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And this moment always sticks out because it was one of the stupidest things that I've ever done. <laughs> uh, and, and, I mean, I did stupid stuff when I used to drink, but this but was... But you weren't drinking then, No, right? I was totally you were sober. sober then. Totally, totally sober. I made sober. you go on what a mean friend. No, it was, to- it was totally fun. <laughs> it was totally fun. It was, it was actually a, a super... It that was, was a fun night. It was you and, and Patton and Jerry Duggan and, and Rob Zombie was there. Yeah, were you there both nights? Did you go to the dinner the night before? I went to the dinner at the, it was yeah. sort of a, like a Benihana, it was yeah. like a teppanyaki kind of yeah. a place. And Brian, just because it was, was his bachelor Kindler party, Kindler was there, yeah, Kindler was there, yeah, yeah, was yeah. there. and Ackerman was there, yes. I think BJ Porter yeah. might have been there. And so, uh, Posehn would just like point around the table and just be like, it's my bachelor party, you, be funny! And then <laughs> yeah. people would just have to spontaneously be funny. Do jokes that the patent just, did his, uh, the, the um, hobo songs, the hobo drinking songs. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was when that was invented, I think. It's a bummer that he doesn't do more music in his act, because yeah. he writes fucking great songs. But uh, Dick made his cigarettes and <laughs> eight dead wives. I'm gonna fuck me some soup. You know, it was like stuff like that. <laughs> so Brian points at me, and I don't know what the fuck to do. And there is a like a jar of soy sauce in front of me, and so I just pound it. Whoa! <laughs> and uh, what does that do to your body? It gets you really fucking sick, but instantly. <laughs> but instantly, it tastes so much better. <laughs> instantly, you're just you just shrivel up you're just, from all the salt. Yeah, you're just drinking liquid salt, and uh, and it does not sit well uh, in your body. And the rest of the night. Because someone rented, how to do, Chris. someone rented a stripper. Va- it, he laughed. So until it was worth it. It would have been bummer if he was like, "That wasn't very good." Like, oh, this was for naught. But uh, we got in the stripper van, and yeah. uh, and just being shaken around because the stripper vans are not really. They don't. The suspension's not great. They're not stable. They're not right. keeping those up. They're not. No, they don't. They don't keep those up. It was like a husband and wife oh. stripper 
team driver yeah, team. team. I want to be <laughs> a husband and wife stripper team. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, because I get the lap dance from the girl and don't find out that that's his old lady till after the horrible lap dance. Mm-hmm. But while they were driving, which I did a bit about, it, it, well, yeah. it wasn't a bit. It was. Oh, because they couldn't. They had to be driving for the lap dance to happen. Otherwise, couldn't do it, wasn't it in the legal. parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, but it was somehow legal for him to speed down the street <laughs> with her awkwardly to really loud hip hop. And you know what I love? <laughs> I love new hip hop, right? Like, I love it. There's one thing we know yeah. about you. Yeah. You know what's better? Loud, too. Really loud. And then we went and to just, some strip club, and then yeah. I feel like the we went D- to s- uh, some we went to live strip clubs, three of them. But there was one four. where the DJ was like classic Vegas strip club DJ, and he was ma- he was like sh- he was capping on us, uh, and then Brian was like fucking give me the mic, like he wanted to, like he wanted to. We never got a chance to. Oh yeah, you would have ob- we would you would have obliterated that guy. But I got was- pretty drunk that night too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I think it was the last strip club I went to. That's when I kind of realized like. Oh, I don't think I like strip clubs. They just make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, right after that. For a while, I loved them. And I don't know what clicked. Like, I finally realized these are kind of horrible. Yeah, I've never never enjoyed them. I'm, I'm going to a bachelor party uh, for my friend's wedding in Hawaii on Friday. And he sent me a text. He says, hey, there's the normal strip club uh, bachelor party. But then there's the after party separate room strip club you can opt out if you want I said yes I don't fucking want to go to where it's going to be even worse yeah, yeah. And watching your friend get a blowjob yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see you get married tomorrow <laughs> in front of a future yeah. father-in-law yeah I want to see that yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to see your father-in-law get his balls licked uh, I only want to see my friend's dick when it's hilarious like hey look at my dick yeah exactly <laughs> hard dick's not funny soft <laughs> dick's hilarious I sat in gum oh you made me look at your balls Nick Swartzen oh Nick Swartzen you made me look at your balls again you want, you want to see but my new watch I don't watch? want to see any of my friend's hard dicks ever yeah. Nick Swartzen's watch dick I like that that's a big yeah, watch dick. Yeah. Yeah. you want to see yeah. my new watch well, whenever uh, he, he used a sat in gum on me. Well, I once got Tony Kameen to look at my balls just by saying there's something wrong with my pants. <laughs> and he turned around and to see what could possibly be wrong with my pants. And he got to look at my balls. Had to. I just uh, I just have not been in a place where I, I want to like pull my balls out. I'm so... I don't even like going You're to the You're not one of those public. dudes? Uh, no, not at all. I feel like all. I've seen almost every one of my friend's balls probably except for yours. I'm never, I'm never going to I'm never going to pull them out. I'm never ever What's wrong with them, Chris? <laughs> They're uh, gorgeous. Uh, they... Mine eyes have never seen testicles quite like this. I must have those in my mouth. Why would I want to put that burden on my friends? I had a picture of a bunch of us up at Bumper Shoot up on my website for about six or eight months before somebody pointed out to me that Nick had his balls in the picture. <laughs> like I had put it up and written a caption. Now, this is back when it wasn't easy to put a picture up, you know? For right. a couple minutes. And it's just such a regular notice. thing for swords, and you're like, it, it didn't, didn't even register. Balls was out. Yeah. It didn't balls even, were. It didn't yeah. even register at all. I had, to go to a, I had to go to a urologist earlier, just because, you know, there's... I just, did you show him your balls? He Not only did I show him, but he, like, poked at him and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I get I get regular checkups, you know, and this it's been a year, and I'm like, well, you know, I'll just go in you and... You don't have to justify going to the doctor, Chris. <laughs> you can justify... No, but the things that happened to me in there, like, I, my balls got cupped and I got ass-fingered, like, that kind yeah. of stuff. 
And it's it's so the thing that scared me the most is my the urologist whose name by the way is Dr. Bender, <laughs> which is hilarious. But probably no less hilarious than having a patient named Hardwick. But he he poked he was poking around like, oh everything seems okay. And the thought that was going was like, if I get a boner right now, this like seventy year old guy poking around my balls, like what am I gonna That's what, how do I I was afraid of that. You'd I probably just come. <laughs> go straight from boner to coming. Yeah. And then and, so, and then there's, straight from soft. There's just, just a moment where baby. it's just dripping out of space, and I just take a pause, and I'm like, "Do I have to pay extra for that?" Or is that uh, I, I, I yanking on my prostate. What'd you think? <laughs> I got, uh, when I was a kid, I thought I had testicular cancer because I found I thought I found a lump. So I t- I went to the doctor, and then like uh, we were he came in. We were we ended up having a conversation before everything got started. We we're just talking about movies and stuff like that. But then there was a right when there was a lull. I was like, yeah, I should check that out. He's like, well, drop your drop your shorts. <laughs> and then, like, I was wearing pants, though, and I realized when he, he says shorts, because it sounds somewhat less gross. Take your pants yeah, off. Yeah, take your pants off. Drop your shorts down. Take your pants right. off. They, they, yeah. the, the nurse today said drawers. Yeah, see? Like, not as weird. Should I drop my drawers? <laughs> drawers is weird. Yeah. It is weird. Yeah, I don't like that word. Yeah, I was, I was not a fan. My doctor was really excited that she made it into my act. <laughs> she went up me once and before she went up me she uh, she said don't worry I have tiny hands <laughs> and I was like how do I not use that and yell that into a microphone somewhere you know like having someone stick their finger in your ass uh, which I'm going to flat out tell you right now has, has not been anything that I've ever opted for I've, 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 I've always opted out of that anytime right. it's never even really come up it's, it is uncomfortable. Even it is, when you were drunk, just drunk crazy. I still had to pressure my ass. No, I still had to pressure my ass. You know, so, you know I, I was a strangely like, responsible drunk. With like, a girl, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not like at the bar. I'll have an Amstel light and a Jerry Finger in my poop slit. But um, I uh, I was weirdly responsible when I was drunk. Like, I would always take cabs. And if I had, if you know, like... The couple times I might have hooked up with someone, I was drunk. I had the presence of mind to have a condom. Like right. I was, I for some reason I was weirdly responsible. So I huh. never, that never. <laughs> You're never with some barfly at three in the afternoon behind a dumpster. No, <laughs> no, no. We've all had that happen, Chris. That's fine. We've all we've all been there. Red Bukowski. I want to. <laughs> I just I want to read a weird email that I got. I never read emails that I get from people. Uh, most of them are pretty nice, actually. But this is, I thought this was a joke, but this guy named Greg wrote me, and it's, the subject is, nerd fail, hosted by, question mark, insert name here. Hey, Nerdist guy, we got a problem. <laughs> we got a problem. Uh-huh. Love your podcast, been listening for four or five months. I also subscribe to all the other comedy casts, uh, Kroll, Rogan, Marin, Pardo. Um, on the latest episode, the host... Me, I guess, claims that he started the podcast to promote his comedy shows. Uh, comedy shows? Question mark, question mark, three exclamation points. Comedy shows? WTF. In the five months I've been listening, the host has never mentioned who the F he is. Why is his name a secret? So he's shitting on me because I've never actually said who I am. So he's claiming, I don't know who you are because you've never said who you are. And so I, I wrote back, and I thought he was kind of chiding me, like, oh, you know, like, old radio thing, identify yourself to the audience. I was like, I get it. That's hilarious. Yeah, and a slightly advanced ape could go to Nerdist.com and figure that out. And he wrote back, and it was something like, most people aren't going to do that, bro. 
<laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. Like, but you guys don't say your names at the top. No, we never say no. our names. But like I most, but most episodes, I say I will be telling jokes at X place. Go to right. nerdist.com yeah. for details. But this really crawled up that guy's ass that I don't say. I am Chris Hardwick. This is Matt Myra. There is Jonah Ray. We are here with Brian Posehn. We uh, did cut that and put that on the front. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that before. We did that in the beginning when we, we, ca- when we cared times. more about form. We did a lot of stuff in the beginning. We had a mixing board. <laughs> yes. yep. We went through Matt's laptop. Yeah. A lot of exciting yeah. <laughs> improvements happened. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you fall into a groove. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what? I love the internet. People get mad about stuff that like that. Well, it's. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's getting mad. The thing, the the, the the one thing to me about nerd culture is that. Like for for me anyway, this is something that I identify with. I was I I never had any power in school in terms of like I couldn't beat anyone up. Like like I could beat people in chess, but the one thing that I have is that if I know something and I think someone's wrong, that makes me feel powerful because I get to correct them. Right. And so I think just you know it's part of nerd culture. Like they just love to correct it's just you. Easier to bitch about things now. Like I can't imagine them thirty years ago like firing off a missive, like actually writing it out by hand, right, and putting it, it in so an envelope and sending it to you. That guy probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah, no, the, that's a, that's a very small that's a very small percentage of people. Even people who would have gone out of their way to call a radio station, like when I worked at K Rock. <clears throat> Back then, people would if people called in and requested songs, they barely ever even kept track of that because they were like the people who will go out of their way to call in to request a song Man. represent such a small, like a small, unmeasurable number. Now people just correct people that are correcting the person that wrote the original thing. Like there's people that just go on threads, or it seems like. Just to fuck with people that are yeah. answering, yeah. and then just watch them go like out <laughs> yeah. of control. I put on I put on Twitter today because uh, today the, we're recording this on October 25th, and I said it's the uh, you know 25 years ago today uh, uh, Doc Brown was killed by Libyan ter- Libyan terrorists or was he? And you know what's funny is immediately I was like, oh, that happened after midnight. And all these people were like, up, it was October 26th, it happened after midnight. I scrolled up, I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, but if, but if oh you're meeting God. someone at 1 a.m., you don't say, I'll see you tomorrow, you yeah. say, I will see you later tonight. So that was sort of, that well, was my logic. Marty did fall asleep, so it was like a whole new day to him. God damn, so don't, <laughs> people, people did point that out. Yeah. Wow. People totally pointed that out. What were your, uh, who, who were your influences, who were your comedy influences? Hmm. Well, that's such a weird. I I was just into everybody I saw when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I was not only just into stand up. I was like we were saying earlier. I love movies like Bad News Bears and and uh, so SCTV and mm-hmm. just everything where I could see comedy. I was obsessed. I liked uh, parody songs. I listened to Doctor Demento and and I was just one of the. I liked all comedy mm-hmm. Muppet Show. I was obsessed with. And but the first like stand-ups were uh, was weird. The first forty-five I had was Freddie Prinz. Oh wow! And uh, like I was pretty young. I don't know if I remember any of his jokes. But they were all about his experience being Puerto Rican in New York, like in the slums. And I had no idea it was in Sonoma. Didn't know what a landlord was, what a cockroach was. <laughs> but, like, the people went nuts for it on the 45, and, you know, and it was uh, a dirty, you know, it was, like, from a stand-up record, I guess, but I didn't have the full record. Mm-hmm. But I, I was into those bits, and then Steve Martin was the next guy, and then I was completely obsessed with him and, like, would memorize the jokes and would memorize movies, too, scenes from movies, and, and uh, 
would do that and then that was like the first thing that kind of informed me with comedy and then as I got older um, right before I started was uh, you know everybody had an HBO special so I watched all of those guys mm-hmm. and, um, the ones that like I really liked the most back then you might not even well they're not at all apparent if you watch my act but like Dennis Miller I was really into the uh, the off-white record yeah, the, was I it the, was, that was it the, the black and white special? Yeah, the black but and the white record was called the off white. Off white special. Yeah, the, it was the, supposed the, to, or the off white album. It the, was supposed the, to be like the white, uh, the white album. Yeah, I remember because in college the black and white special was, it fucking crushed me. Like it was so awesome, and it was he was kind of in between. He had clearly just figured out that the sub reference thing was like a thing. Yeah, and but it wasn't overbearing yet. And then in the so and then smart in, and so fast. And then in the next special, it just got it got super preachy as yeah. opposed to just like that one. I wasn't in, as into, but but guys like um, Kennison and Dice, I loved at the end of the eighties. Uh, guys like Rick Dukeman, Bobby Slayton. Yep. Um, guys with a lot of edge back then, and uh, but and so my first, when I first started, like you know this right? You know I called it myself the Piranha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was so. Is that one of the reasons why Barry hated you? Because you called no, by then I, by then I. You were not the piranha it. anymore. Welcome, Bravo, saying the piranha. No, it was only, it was only in the very beginning. It was in Sacramento, and maybe still a little bit in the first time in L.A. And then mm-hmm. I luckily broke my back and restarted. <laughs> Piranha died that day, yeah, friends. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of things. Well, that here's why. Uh, you know, it was Bobcat. I was really into him. Um, um, Slayton was called the Pitbull of comedy. Yep, I remember. It was just one of those things, and, and it was late '80s, and I felt like you needed to come out hard. You needed to have a nickname. And if you're into metal, you yeah, know, like that's not crazy. And so I had I had hair down to here, and my opening joke was about um, fisting myself and, and losing my watch. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like a piranha would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and then and then the piranha came from uh, pacing back and forth, and uh, just that was a it was a nickname. I think my friend, one of my the guy Glenn that made me go up. He was uh, like the first person to kind of coin it, and then mm-hmm. I went, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna call myself that, and then because uh, <laughs> I I think I called myself something. Oh, what did I like? Uh, it was like the first couple of times. I think I called myself like I, I, like I never read it, wrote it down, but I called myself like the suburban kid or something like the first <laughs> one of the first times on stage. You know what though? Because and I, this was like an open mics, but it was like oh I need a hook, you know. I totally so I get think they that, had them go like the suburban kid Brian Posehn, or you know. I only used that maybe once, and then it was Glenn and I came up with the Piranha, and we used this metal song by Exodus called Piranha. And they would play that sometimes when I could get them to when you know you could have a sound cue or a song cue. I get that. But I didn't do it for late, very long. It was the late '80s. Like it was no. like you needed to stand out. You needed people a- had white boy raps and yep. just yeah, like, yeah. it was another time. It was a different time. And uh, yeah, but the what, I wasn't myself in the beginning. And then I changed again, and I, I dropped like the the fast thing and the being super aggressive and being influenced by Dice and. I wasn't into Dice for very long, and like after you know the the day the laughter died, like I heard that record and kind of <laughs> fell off of him. And, yeah. And uh, um, by the time I moved to San Francisco, that's when I saw you know going back like guys like Great Proops, and then I went, oh okay, now I get this. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be this other person that I'm definitely not. <laughs> and then the funny thing was my mom, when she saw me change, she goes, 
oh, I liked it when you did the high energy thing. And, you know, she was like, no, I liked it when you paced and yelled. And I was like, no, that wasn't me. Can you imagine me pacing and yelling? No, (laughs) no. Jumping around on stage. The energy. We're here in the Piranha Cave. Like edgy, mean, unfunny Dane Cook. Attacking people. Just totally going after people. That false energy thing. I used to do that. Um... I guess uh, uh, we're almost, we're almost. Yeah, we're just past the hour. We have a few more minutes, mm-hmm. but I, but I also. That's why the tape runs out. <laughs> we only have it. <laughs> tape. Yeah. Only have uh, seventy-four you got a minutes. Real in here? How'd you get that in here? <laughs> tape. It says it's because it's real nerd podcast. Like it's <laughs> yeah. on tape. Matt's this podcast is analog. The razor blade. Um, so how do you, essentially, like how do you write now? Do you ever sit down to write, or do you just do you just kind of wait for it to? Strike your head. Um, both. Uh, and uh, I, I never count on either. I just... Um, but one, one thing I do do is, like I've said to Melanie recently, like my wife, it's like, do something funny. Because like a lot of my act is, is or my, a lot of my writing is, like you said, me waiting around for the joke to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, for uh, the story, you know, some kind of thing to happen in life that I can... That, that I immediately go oh that's a bit and because that's what I've what my act really is now so so I guess it is uh, a lot more of that and less of the I'm gonna I can't really sit down and force that yeah I can force other things uh, you know sketches and other ideas but it seems like with stand up it's yeah did, did you patent write on Mad TV no or that was, that was Blaine Blaine yeah. oh okay no, I was at Mr. Show at the same time you were at Mr. Show yeah. And then, slightly different. <laughs> slightly different. Oh vibe. my god! A little bit different of a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A that show ruined me. Like, how could you write for another sketch show? You couldn't write for Mad TV after you wrote for Mister Show. Was there anything that was there any sketch that you guys wrote that got cut that you were like, "Fuck! Why? We can't believe we didn't get to do this one." I mean, I guess if you could do a shitting on the flag joke, um, pretty much. Well, it was like a couple of things that we never completely nailed. Like a lot of the things I got through were things we worked on really hard and finally found the right angle. Because mm-hmm. that that was one thing that was great about that show is Bob would let an idea breathe. He would let it have life for weeks. Like instead of just going, "No, that idea sucks." Uh, we, I don't know what it is. I don't get it. He would let you dick around with things and bring it back in different forms. And uh, there was one thing that I really loved, and it was uh, we called it "racist in the skin patch," or uh, and it was uh, a guy gets a skin graft, but it's black skin. It's a white guy, and he goes in to complain about it, but the doctor thinks he's racist, and he's like, "No, I just want." I'm white and I just want like, a white piece of skin you know and then it went all these different crazy places like at one point it wound up being uh, from Tupac it was it, it stuck life actually you know <laughs> but it was an idea that they both David and Bob loved like when I pitched it and then we did different versions of it and it just never flew it just never uh, we never came up with the, the version that we would shoot well, maybe enough but, time has passed now that you could totally. But that was an, oh, and there was another thing that I actually brought to uh, Human Giant, and we shot it for Human Giant. But that was a reenactment of a reenactment. Oh yeah, yeah. But oh, that was a Mister Show idea originally. I mean, it feels like a Mister Show sketch now. Yeah, that's great. It was, but it was an idea I had back then. Do you think sketch comedy is? I mean, it, 
What is, is there any sketch on television right now? It's Nick Swartzen's sketch show. Oh, the, the, oh, oh, pretend time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That just premiered. Yeah, with Tom Giannis, who also uh, worked on Human Giant. And, yeah, that's and, awesome. And, SNL, and, uh, great SNL sketch writer. So, and you've yeah, seen... I want to do it again. You want to do sketch again? I miss it. I miss it so much. I I, I think that's what I should be doing. If you, if that makes any sense, like I I have more fun doing that, sitting in a room with friends mm-hmm. and uh, crafting that kind of stuff, and then you know bringing it to life. That's more kind than, of the shit we do. Stand up. It's kind of the shit you do anyway when you're sitting around. It's just coming up with yeah fucking yeah. weird ideas. But I haven't you know gotten paid to do it like <laughs> and and not be on the road. That's something I think I'd, I I I don't know. I've talked with Blaine. Because Blaine loves writing sketch and he's really good at it. It's hard. They're just I mean, like when you think about the outlets that could, that would put out a sketch show. There's yeah. there's like I can think of Comedy Central would do a right. sketch show. Right, and then your manager always says, "Well, what's the hook too? Like, yeah. what, what's the idea? What's the big the, the, thing?" Those, I just want to write words, funny sketches. Those yeah. that, that word the, the the hook is has been a word that has just fucking uh, I hate that word so well, and much. Well, I get why they say that. I get it, that's too. that's what's going to happen when I get in the room. If I right. just go in and go, uh, I wrote this one sketch about a fart and this one's about another thing. Chocolate <laughs> farts. Another yeah. kind of fart. Chocolate yeah, farts, everybody. No, I mean, you know, yeah. well, whatever it is. You think, uh, since I think uh, you know, Chappelle's show was such a huge hit, now that's, uh, that's set the standard of just like, well, we have to wrap a sketch show around a personality you know what right. came after Chappelle's show was Mencia and then there was the blue collar comedy uh, sketch show they mm-hmm. had Jeff Dunham now there's Nick Swartzen it just seems like they need I mean, an entity I mean Sarah Silverman program was sort of a like a kind of a sketch I think it was more that was more like a crazy British show well there were vignettes I mean like I feel like there were really? comedy vignettes yeah absolutely oh that's what I I, I always I always thought of it that way it's just like uh, it felt it, like a like a single camera sitcom to me but I, I, I felt like when she would go into bits that were, you know, like, were Sarah. You yeah. Know, like, they just, they felt like, like, vignettes kind of like Well, Louis it show. reminded me of Mr. Show. I mean, just the, the tone of it. Yeah. Sarah did, you know, and plus the fact she uses a lot of the same people. So. Yeah. Um, you've got Jay wearing a, a cop outfit. Are you feels o- Mr. Show. <laughs> are you the tab thing yet? Or is there people still offering you tab? Oh, that still happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> it's pretty amazing they to walk. It was funny, and they still do. It's pretty amazing to walk through the Comic Con floor with you because you stick up above most yes, everyone, all of them. and so yeah, it's easy yeah. to identify you. And people are just screaming out shit, a tab, uh, you know. Have you ever or, seen called Mythbusters? Yeah, that was my favorite, like Romanski line from the series. Someone's like, "What's up, Mythbusters?" <laughs> Well, I've had that have er, happen for real, oh. or where they think I'm Eric Wareheim, or that oh. I'm, yeah, um, that I'm a MythBuster. Yeah, that happened. We were going to Hawaii, or, or coming back from Hawaii, me and Mel. Not this last time, but uh, uh, two years ago. And uh, the TSA lady, she's like, "You come out on TV," and I, and uh, I was people word it like that all the time. You come out on TV. Mm-hmm. Just, <laughs> what? No, Ellen. I, Ellen comes out on TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I do sort of walk in from time to time. (laughs) You come out. Yes. And then Sarah, I was a gay gentleman, but this woman, uh, I was. She was trying to figure out what show, and she's uh, not good with words. And uh, this was in Hawaii. uh, Yeah, yeah. But she's great with airport security. Yeah, Yeah, sounds about right. And ice. Yes, they love it there. They love it. <laughs> she smoked ice and then went to be a TSA lady. <laughs> uh, no, but she goes, you come out on TV, and I'm like, yeah, 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 occasionally I do. She goes, you're uh, 
you prove whether things are real or not. <laughs> you take things, and I'm like, do you mean Mythbusters? And she's like, yeah, you're a Mythbuster. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. But but I get it. So you've just busted that myth. We also have facial hair. And, yes. and you have glasses. Yes. Those two things. I don't know which guy they think I am, I think though. They think I you're Jamie Adam. or the other guy? I think guy. they think you're yeah. Adam. Because he has a beardish, and well, Jamie's a bigger guy and a weird guy. Yeah, but no, but, Jay, but Jamie has the Jamie has the mustache. Like Jamie's yeah. got the big walrus mustache, right. and you have a beard, and and you've got like black rimmed glasses. All like of Adam. the all of the Mythbusters are much smaller in person than you think they are. <laughs> yeah, there. No, I thought is Jamie big like me? No, no. no. no but oh. he's. I mean, Jamie's probably. He's not that tall. He's probably huh. like five eleven. Oh, yeah. He's not a monster. Yeah, right? no, no, but he's not. He's not tiny. I mean, they're not. Yeah, they're Adam's like, Adam's like a like a bigger dude, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I was, I was, I'm saying I always thought they'd be like these big guys. I don't think I look either. Like either no. one. You don't look like Eric Wareham. Eric Wareham is fucking has black hair. Right. Yeah. Well, he gets it all the time. He gets Brian. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure that yeah, TSA yeah, lady yeah. was like, wasn't like, you look like the guy from Awesome Show, Grace. <laughs> yeah, right, Where right. is she from? I don't know. I, he didn't say where the nationality was, so I just did a pat. I said uh, you come out on TV. I said a weird. Oh, you come accent. out on TV, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's. Blah, blah, the kind be honest, TV. All white people look the same, so right. it's fine. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, where are you off to next? Are you, do you have any shows coming up? Because uh, we'll, we'll put this up tonight. So if you have any shows coming up that you want to promote or anything, yeah. Yeah. Um, where am I? Uh, where am I? Carnegie Mellon next week. Uh, Ooh, Pittsburgh. And then uh, playing the Pittsburgh Improv next weekend. Nice. And you did the Benson Interruption, which will be on? Uh, yeah, I don't know when that's airing. But, I think they uh, start airing them. So with uh, Tig November? and uh, Greg Proops. I think they start airing later this month or early next nice. month. You're doing it's it tonight, fun, right? I'm, I'm taping mine tonight, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Swords might be doing it tonight, too. I'm nice. 100% sure. You're going to love it. You've done it before. It's, it's I've, I've, done, I've done it. I've done it with him uh, like a shitload of times. He's having fun. It's so fun. I, I yeah, I loved it. The crowd was super into it, and it's a huge place. The music box, the yeah. music box. Yeah. yeah, it used to be Henry Fonda or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Cool. Well, Brian Posehn, thank you so much for having us in your house and in your man cave uh, with all of your DVDs. And I'm right now. I oh my god, I just saw the Bob and Doug McKenzie yeah. operating on Iron Man in a great white North set. I think Iron well, Man is no, drunk on the table. He's drunk. He's got a Molson. <laughs> See, I glued a Molson to his hand. Oh, that's awesome! And he's hammered on there. Brian, plate. what are you doing in there? Nothing. Just that's, the, a... that's the demon in the bottle set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me, and also me. Oh, you got the uh, Metallica live shit, Vengeance Purge. <laughs> yeah. I remember that was a really big deal because it had actual metal hinges on the box set. Yes, it does. Yep, live shit. Yeah, that's live it. shit, Vengeance Purge. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, that's the end. Thanks. Enjoy your burrito. (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand, Drunk Elephant, was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. 
Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.